mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hello there, welcome to episode five of the LM Experience, and I'm Stuart Gregory from Lenchu Mortgages, along with Mr. Martin Stewart. Hello, Stuart. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. You enjoying this cold weather? It's um, rather kind of, um, yeah, cold. Mm, absolutely. Are you? Um, uh, we touched on your uh, unfortunate reef incident last time. Are you? Are you still? Yeah, well, it's still have... it's still progressing. It's still ongoing. Yeah. It, um, t- to quote that well-known reality show phrase it's a journey bit of a roller coaster yeah, all that sort of stuff give it 110 percent you'll soon be in exactly so um yeah patience is what's needed virtue. at the moment unfortunately okay. well good look um it was all about you last time Stu. Oh, we're going to evolve onto the industry this time around and what i thought would be quite interesting because it's been quite topical within uh, within the trade press and uh, on twitter and social media as a whole is um is a thorny issue of interest only mortgages mm. Yeah. Any particular thoughts on that? I mean, do you do a lot of that down your neck of the woods? We do. I mean, it, it's kind of, I, I think there are so many different layers to the interest only problem, mm. um, which stem back, frankly, years. Um, probably you had the, the boom period of the housing market. I think it's definitely a legacy from the credit boom that we had yeah. in, the, so, in the noughties. Yeah. And I, I think that's really where you had free-flowing lender criteria on interest only for residential deals, um, which led to high volume of those types of deals being ar- agreed with the majority of the mortgage market. And at high LTVs. I mean, yeah. you were looking at 90%, I think, from memory, maybe mm. even higher, I can't remember, and for first-time buyers. Yeah. So uh, I think in that respect, there's a lot of legacy-linked potential problems in the future, um, which haven't come round yet. And I think knocking on from that, I think certainly from the instigation of the mortgage market review, when we were in the position of when the consultation periods from the regulator came about, um, the we went from one extreme to the other very, very sharply. Um, I mean, certainly, even though at the time the consultation papers on interest only were talking about potential changes, Lenders across the board saw it as a an opportunity to make the change, um, either through choice or through fear of what could happen next, and potentially leaving themselves open to being seen as the one or the uh, the only one or two of lenders who were still in that market. So we saw. I, th- I think it was kind of, in some respects, there was a correction then, which was far heavier than it needed to be at that point. And you, I, th- I think now we're kind of progressing back towards some form of sensible approach in yeah, most cases. But do you think there is there is a, a systemic risk to interest only? Because obviously the regulator, I think, last week came up um, and reared their head on this just regarding the, uh, the issue of lots of people getting to the end of their mortgage term, mm-hmm. 65, 70 years old, having previously stated that downsizing of their main residence yeah. to a smaller property was their preferred method of repayment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of those people are hiding their head in the sands. There's letters coming through from the lender mm-hmm. um, and they're ignoring them. Um, I mean, is there, is, is there a risk and what is the risk? Um, I mean, I've personally seen from clients in the last couple of years uh, the, the stance and the approach of lenders change dramatically from 
let's say, pre-recession days whilst working within lenders, the scope, I mean, I can only speak for one, it's no longer trading as its own format anymore, so I can probably talk about them. Do it. Chairman Gloucester, mm-hmm. um, back in those days, working within the branch network, as soon as you got to a position where you had a, had a borrower who was um, coming to the end of their mortgage term, an interview occurred within a branch, and then the branch staff with an underwriting mandate had the ability to ask for a term extension if required, normally for up to five years. Um, And that type of discussion point with the borrower and the lender together seems to have disappeared. The approach, certainly from what I've seen from at least two high street lenders, has been now to become far more heavy-handed. And that's certainly something I think the regulator needs to look into. I, I, I can vouch for that anecdotally. We had a lender in recently, I won't, I won't mention her name, whereby they have instigated seven uh, repossession orders mm. on people that have got to the end of their mortgage term um, and haven't responded to uh, an offer of debate over, yeah. over what they plan to do and yeah you know quite rightly or wrongly they, they've now instigated moves to get their money back yeah i mean i think overall with it you've got individual circumstances do come into play but what you have is that you've got a lender's approach to the problem can be totally different i've dealt with cases where um, clients have been forced to place their property on the market by the lender not only that, which is probably stressful enough, mm. even though they were aware that that was the original plan, what you've then got on top of that is then monthly contact, has it sold yet, how many viewings have you had, um, that type of thing. And that, that I feel, is where it comes to a fine line of putting undue pressure on people in later stages of life. Yeah. Um, contra that, with also movements that I know we've both seen on social media sites, um, um might as well say it, on Facebook particularly, where there are now more um, companies advertising and promoting themselves on social media, aiming to get people to make claims mm. against mortgage advisors for previous interest-only advice. Yeah. And you've got the equivalent thing where I think now that's where the FCA are doing the right thing in terms of they're forcing the dialogue and forcing and, the issue. And rightly so. I, th- I think there is probably some some I- issues from interest only from, from 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it disappeared completely from the market. I mean, you could not find interest only mortgage between 2008 and 2012, really, for love the money. Um, and, and lenders have crept back into that. Mm. Um, and more and more are doing that now. And some of them are quite historically uh, cautious lenders. Yeah. Um, and maybe they're seeing that they're missing out from a criteria point of view. So we we actually looked at London Money. We sat down um, this week and we looked at our interest-only figures for 2017. It was quite interesting. Um, and we are going to be quite predominantly London-centric with the, with the property transactions. But the average property value on our interest-only um, mortgages was 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. The average loan size was 460,000. And the average income linked to that mortgage was about 165000 mm-hmm. So, to me, interest only can be a very good financial planning tool. Yeah. And, and there is no risk, I think, to the lenders there. You've got, a, you've got an LTV on average at 40% and a three times income multiple. Mm-hmm. So, I think it is something that the market needs. Um, and I think it's something that the lenders can support as well. Yeah. And I, th- I think that they're also, and I think this is a, a byproduct of the MMR process, I think, as well, is where, where, the, where the market recovered on offering of interest only and the kind of the remodelling of repayment vehicles that lenders would use. One of the areas I think now that needs to be really kind of worked on quite quickly 
is the succession from standard residential for older borrowers. Standard residential deals into something a bit more longer term. Yeah, I I, th- I think I did make the point um, to someone actually during the week that the interest only can evolve seamlessly into some sort of equity release mm-hmm. alternative. Um, and that's what I personally would like to see happen because mm-hmm. there are lots of people at 65, 70, they're still working. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I, I, to be honest, when I first started Lemshune, at one point I was working part-time and I did part-time work um, in a local B&Q store right. doing early morning shifts and there were guys there in their mid-70s still working. But lots of, there are lots of professional people as well at 65 mm. and 70, self-employed people. So, you know, long gone are the days where you get to 65 and you get your, get your, your, your golden handshake and then you totter off and drop down dead two years afterwards. It, it, it's different now. It's a completely mm. different set of demographics. And I think this is where the market needs to evolve itself, that we're much more debt laden, yep. but we are used to that debt in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. It is serviceable for the majority of people that have borrowed that money. Yep. And we are not getting any younger. Okay, We are living longer. Mm-hmm. So we need some creativity, I think, in the mortgage market to evolve interest only yeah. to some sort of generational mortgage, similar to what they have in, in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and just take a very sensible approach rather than forcing and crystallising the issue, mm. maybe just being a little bit more sympathetic and a bit more creative with the product. Well, I think as well, that's where it also comes into general lending policy as well, because where you've got scenarios now where some lenders are, say, for example, there are two applicants and one of them is substantially older than the other but their income isn't necessarily needed in order for the deal to happen, where they give some scope to using a slightly longer term based on the younger person's age, for Mm. example. And obviously that's going to come down to individual circumstances of each individual case, but it shows that it can be done. And it's just a case of really where, where I think a few mainstream high street lenders to really kind of push the boat out a little bit and say, right, we'll go down this direction. Um, and then from there, I think then others will follow and we'll, we'll see some some sort of kind of hybrid yeah. come in, really, to be honest. Yeah, I think there'll be a, there'll be a, lot, there'll be a lot to see in this sector going forward, I think, interestingly. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that does also lead us into something else, actually, as well, which um, I know on Twitter it's a, a hot subject at times, uh, which is in relation to the buy-to-let market, Ooh, buy-to-let. as it stands. Buy-to-let. Yeah, so kind of, <laughs> as far as um, buy-to-let, obviously we know um, through day-to-day work, obviously the changes that have happened. Do you want to just give the listeners who perhaps aren't aware of what's been going on in the industry in the last 18 months, what's been with, going on? With, with regards to buy-to-let? To buy-to-let buy to let and yeah. the, the differences yeah. that George Osborne brought in, really. Yeah, I mean, he he, he basically has slaughtered the, go- the golden goose. Um, and it's polarised the market. Um, a lot of people are up in arms about that. Um, there are a lot of brokers, and I put myself in this particular camp. I, I think it's good for the housing market mm-hmm. to try and get it a little bit more normalised. Um, there's an awful lot of properties that have been sucked out of the buy-to-let sector over the years through lax lending and lax criteria and lax taxation. So I think trying to bring that um, a lot more to the fore um, and make being a landlord a much more professional um, job rather than just uh, telling your mate down the pub that you brought a house and you've filled it with students and how clever you are. Those days, I think, are well and truly over. So basically, mm-hmm. Osborne has has made it harder um, or sort of less tax efficient for the consumer mm-hmm. to borrow the money. Um, it's more expensive now to borrow money. Um, and um, I mean, we just did a buy to let at the moment in London and it's going to cost a client 
£130,000 in deposit and stamp duty mm-hmm. to buy a one-bedroom flat for a buy-to-let. And at the end of that, she will make around about £350 after costs. Yeah. So that's the major change that we've had now. It's not a, it's not a bandwagon anymore, and it's not a get-rich-quick scheme anymore. Um, and there's some lots of changes on the PRA side about about the affordability mm-hmm. um, valuations and calculations. And they're, re- I mean, in London in particular, we're very much suffering from that because the yeah. mental yields aren't, aren't aren't strong enough to support the house price. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think I've read something in the week that that buy to let lending or transactions had down something like eighty percent. Yeah, basically, yeah, it was a report from the um, Intermediary Mortgage Lenders Association, the IMLA. Um, it was a report called Buy to Let Under Pressure. Um, bring Queen in there. Um, and basically, there was um, five billion of net investment in buy-to-let property in 2017. Spot on, down 80 percent from 25 billion in 2015. Yeah, that, I mean, so, it has fallen off a cliff. Mm. Simply as that. Um, has it been a bit too drastic? I think. I, I think the issue that a lot of landlords have got, and a lot of specialist brokers have had with this, is that all these changes came in in a very, very short period of time. Mm-hmm. My personal take on this is that they should have started to drip feed these changes in in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when Bytelet was on its knees, as was the property sector and the lending sector as a whole. Yeah, and and then just kind of turned the heat up over a number of years so that everyone got used to it. But we had this sudden sort of cliff edge moment where mm. increased taxation came in, uh, complex lending scenarios. Um, uh, aggressive um, changes in criteria on the rental calculation mm-hmm. form. It all, it all literally arrived on the same day. It yeah. certainly felt like it. Um, and we, I think we went, we were never a big bike-to-let lender. It was less than 5% of our business. But we went a whole year in London from 2016 into 2017 without doing one bike-to-let purchase. Yeah, I did. Well, in the lead-up to the changes, obviously there was a mad rush before the April date when yep. the changes kicked in. Um, but certainly for us, we did one in a year after that. Yeah, yeah. It was literally just, it just turned off the tap completely. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be others that will counter-argue that, you know, they're very heavy, heavily involved in that sector and it's very, very busy. And, and the market will evolve. You will now have professional landlords only. You will not have the chance. That's exactly the thing, isn't it? Because it, it opened the the ability then for more limited company buy-to-let. Yeah, more lenders will come into that sector. Yeah, and I think in that respect as well, it kind of um, a bit of a leveller in terms of it's making people think twice before jumping in rather than, I mean, if you think of the days kind of prior to the recession where people were going and buying properties at auction and they had the ability to remortgage them just after they purchased them. I mean, it's complete chalk and cheese from those days. It, it is, and I think I think it's actually the, all, all the headlines in the, in the mainstream media. It, it has seeped into the the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people now look at that and think, Do you know, what? There's, there's probably easier ways to make a living. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, sometimes they end up. I think some clients are now looking at different ways of generating income. Um, I've had some that have even thought about purchasing some staff, but mobile homes if they've got cash. And they've got the ability to, for example, on something which is more of a, a holiday, say it's on a holiday park, for example, they can make some money out of those because very, very hard to, to repossess though. Well, no, but there's no the mortgage, but there's no mortgage involved in terms no, of oh, okay. so they're basically like a holiday park, um, oh, static caravans, static caravans. Oh, I see. Yeah, because with those you've got initial outlay on them, but you've got service charges yeah. to the holiday park that runs it. But with that, they've got short term lets. Yep, there's short-term lets, there's semi-commercial 
properties, commercial properties. Yep. A lot of money's moved. I mean, Osborne talked about the, the, the Northern Powerhouse, and that's where a lot of the money's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you got there's up in Manchester recently, and there's, you know, you can't you can't see the sky for cranes. There's mm-hmm. an awful lot of development going on up north, um, and you can get your yield up there. You mm-hmm. can get six, eight, ten percent. Yeah, um, you might not get the capital growth, but you'll get a return on your money. So the market is evolving. It'd be interesting. It, it's in a state of flux, I think, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it will be for a while until it settles down. And what we need is a bit more competition on limited company. To give them the lenders. Yeah, to get some scope. To, to get to maybe to get some fees down and to get some rates down and mm-hmm. open up criteria. I think once we start getting one or two mainstream lenders into that sector, that will become very, very competitive and that will give landlords a bit more confidence to mm-hmm. go out and buy more property. No, that sounds good. Good, good. Excellent. All right, Stuart, I think we've reached the end of episode five. We have indeed. Um, so thank you very much um, to everybody for their input so far and dialogue with us on Twitter. You can actually find us now. We've got an account specifically for the LM Experience, um, which is as the following. It's at the LM Experience. Um, we can follow us both on there. And also on the individual level, I'm on Twitter as at mortgage underscore stew. And I am at London... What am I at? London Money FS, I think. It is yeah, I should, I should yes. follow myself. <laughs> okay. Write your tweets. It's, um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure as ever, Stuart. Indeed it has. Thanks, Martin. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it.